everybody welcome to the 149th edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in rip city and i got my man sage man one episode away from the big 150 that's pretty fucking dope man we're old as balls i know dude real life and in podcast years man (laughs) but i i created i did one of the worst sins you could do as a broadcaster i updated software minutes before i was supposed to do this podcast with dustin and uh you know it added a good 15 minutes of waiting to uh the start time of this podcast but you know we got that new that new Skype update got that new Skype recorder update now so we're we're all teched out ready to go man ready to go for these game recaps every game we are here for you Rip City win or lose rain or shine she ain't losing <laughs> well undefeated so far Blazers 2-0 over the Oklahoma City Thunder, 114-94 victory to take a commanding 2-0 lead in the Western Conference first round. Uh, A little bit of trivia for all of you Blazer maniacs out there. Brian Wheeler tweeted out uh, last night, this is the 15th time in Trailblazer history that Portland has led a playoff series 2-0. In the previous 14 times, Portland has held serve and advanced. So hopefully that's a good omen. Moving forward to Oklahoma City on Wednesday, which is today, the day we are recording. Game three set for Friday. Just because we're up 2-0 does not mean this this series is in the bag. Remember, 77 Trailblazers were down 2-0. The 20. 16 Trailblazers were down 2-0, came back to win. It can happen. Now is not the time to get cute. Now is not the time to get comfortable. Now is not the time to let your foot off the gas pedal. Full throttle, straight ahead. Let's get one of these next two in Oklahoma City. But before we jump into Game 3, Sage, you were there with me and Olga for Game 2. Uh, let's just dive deep into what that really entailed because I've been watching a lot of highlights. I have not had a chance to go back and rewatch the full game in its entirety, but I'm still pretty astonished that we were able to win by 20 points, especially after that start that we had. Man, before we get even get into the game recaps, I got to say, you guys know Dustin as like a sweet, nice boy or man, whatever you want to call it. A very sweet person. Playoff time Dustin Hawes is a fucking emotional monster. <laughs> first, go, it started, baby. first it started with like high fives every two seconds and I was cool with that. And then he just was like the like the emotion monster, man. Like this shit, this, you 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 led the "Let's Go Blazers" chant damn near every time down the floor. Like, golly, you got you <laughs> you got hyped, man. The team needs us. You got to do your part. If you're at the game, get turned. That's the reason you are at the game is to be the sixth man. That's why they call it a home court advantage. If it was just 
home court, that's where they, that's the location. It wouldn't matter. It's an advantage for a reason. So if you're going to be there, this is the time to get loud. We wait. We get this opportunity sometimes not even once a year. At minimum, we're guaranteed twice. Twice a season if you just make it there. These opportunities do not take them for granted. I have been a fan for 29 years. I have gone stretches six, seven years not even making the playoffs. Plenty of times we haven't even gotten out of the first round. This team right now is giving the city hope. It's giving the fans a little bit extra life. And the sun is shining out today after that Blazer victory. And you you don't need any other reason why other than the Blazers are handling their fucking business. Yes, Nurkic is out. But... The way this team has rallied around behind the leadership of Damian Lillard, they are still on track to surpass every single goal that we put out in front of them before the regular season started with a healthy roster. The way the team is playing right now, it is so enjoyable to watch. It's like a switch has been flipped Almost as if what happened in New Orleans last season was meant to be. It is making them stronger this time around because they know that feeling of getting swept. They know what it takes in terms of preparation. They know what it takes in terms of playing a full 48 minutes of basketball and protecting your home court. Um, This is a team last year that would have lost game two. Portland really didn't start out strong. Um, we did not hit our threes like we did to start out in game one. And I was like, okay, it's going to have to be a grinded out affair. We're not hitting, they're not hitting. And then it's something I want to discuss with you in in pretty great length. Sage is when Portland goes to start the second quarter without Damian Lillard or CJ McCollum, we went five deep into the bench. Jake Lehman got his first run of the series and it was awful basketball for the first three minutes of, of that quarter. And, Nobody was able to create their own offense. Everyone was standing around. Nobody knew who to turn to. There was no leader on that floor. And in the playoffs, you always have to have one of your one or two best players. And Paul George or Russ was in that uh, uh, that rotation. So we were having, you know, our, our five bench guys go against, you know, an all an all star essentially. But I, I honestly. I think the start of the game and that second quarter was bad offense because it was very it was easy to decide what is going to happen with every Blazers possession. Basically for the first 15 minutes of game time, it was CJ's going to wrap around a screen from Enos. He's going to go to the the left corner. He's going to spot up. Dame's going to run some similar action to the right. We're going to take that shot or we're going to try and do a blow by and kick it out to a shooter. The offense was very predictable in the first, I'd say, 15 minutes of the game until the second quarter. Like We didn't utilize any pick and rolls. We didn't know Enos was hurt, but like Enos was not moving well when he set the pick. He was taking even longer to go the second time. So the Thunder got rebounds. We were predictable. We didn't run a pick and roll for like 10 straight minutes in a playoff game. That shit is crazy. Well, along with that, 
I felt like Portland was passing up on really great opportunities at the rim. The rim was open, dog. The, Moses was out there parting that Red Sea saying, let's go. The paint is red. It, they just was parted. And don't be afraid of Steven Adams. Do with, not. With a foul. A- with a foul, too. He picked up a cheapo. So he wasn't yep. going to risk getting a second with defending the rim really well. That that shit was open. I would say we got a few like blow buys offensively, but it wasn't like it wasn't attacking the rim hard. It was just like, oh, I can get this layup. I'm going to take it. That that rim was wide open, and we were just taking contested mids and three pointers for a long time. Yeah, and it's not like the threes were a bad look, but you have to learn from Oklahoma City. They're getting open threes for a reason. We don't want Paul George or Russell Westbrook to score in the paint, so the Jeremy Grants of the world are are getting those slightly contested looks, the same ones that Chief Aminu, Mo Harkless were getting. Those weren't dropping early on, and a good team has to realize that and adapt to their game plan and say, okay, I'm going to chill on this open three and maybe move it around. Or instead of driving and kicking, I'm going to go all the way to the cup and see if I can get to the foul line. And I really thought that that Portland started to do that once Dame was was inserted into the lineup. CJ and Dame being on. So this, I think, was the second straight game that they both performed. You could at least grade them as as good. I think they were both both elite. I think in game one, yeah, they both played pretty well in game one. I think game two, that they, they were elite. And it was something I was thinking about actually while I was vacuuming the, this morning before heading off to work is what have we always kind of harped on or, or criticized the, the the duo of Damon CJ? And it was they tend to not have great games in together in the same in the same type of performance. Usually it's Dane gets going, CJ lets him have his fun. CJ gets going, Dame just kind of chills and lets him get get 40. This time they were both relentless, and I think that's what it has to be if they are going to continue to win. Otherwise, you're going to see the New Orleans strategy of I'm just going to blitz Dame or I'm just going to blitz CJ. When you have two guys like that who can not only shoot from 35 feet out, but create their own offense, get to the the middle of the of the floor, which really puts them in prime scoring opportunity. Whether it's themselves laying it up or kicking it out to a shooter, you're not able to send multiple people because then you have a matchup advantage for Portland. Once you get three point line and in, the other benefit is there's only one Paul George. He is their only elite defender that they have, and even CJ was crossing him up. He's playing heavy minutes. I believe he played um, 41 minutes for the second straight game. And if Paul George is going to guard CJ, CJ, Dame's just going to eat on on Raymond, on Dennis Schroeder, on Russ, on Ferguson. That makes Portland so lethal. And you really have to pick your poison if if you're Billy Donovan. So if you're a Blazers fan and you want to see sustained success, it has to start with, with Dame and CJ. Stars win you games in the playoffs, and I don't anticipate our bench getting really any better. Um, if they were going to play better, it was going to be at home. So game three and game four is going to have to be, I think, star heavy. I mean, we're obviously going to need to get contributions in a similar manner to Seth Curry and Mo Harkless, but I don't think you're going to get the the 25 point outburst like, like Rodney Hood did did in Charlotte. So Damon CJ 
really need to set the tone and you look at their numbers, that's exactly what you want from your superstar backcourt. Dame, 29 points, 10 of 21 from the field, four of eight from downtown, six assists, four boards, three steals, two blocks, two turnovers. CJ, 33 points, a game high 33, over 50% from the field, 12 of 22, three of seven from downtown. The tandem got to the line 13 times. CJ, Eight boards, which you noticed after the game was incredible. Five assists, one steal. So CJ is doing more. I mean, th- this is this is what you expect from Damian Lillard. But CJ getting five dimes and eight boards is big boy basketball. And he has really elevated his play to another level. But before we talk about CJ, I want to talk about Damian Lillard's defense. Because to, to me... He was locking shit down. Every time Russ had a post-up, he was swiping at that ball. He was starting fast breaks. I think the play that symbolized the game for me in a nutshell, and I didn't see it at, at first live. I only saw the back end of it. But seeing the highlights, when he strips Westbrook, challenges him, Westbrook puts up a three, bricks it, Dame claps his hands emphatically, Gets the ball back, just casually pulls up six, seven, eight steps behind the three-point line. Russ doesn't even put up a hand on that. Portland goes up six. He gets so animated going back to the bench, but also has a, a cool composure about him while doing it. I thought that was the game in a nutshell. Dame played some of the best defense, and he really has this entire season. But his defense has been incredible on Westbrook and I think he he's a man possessed right now when we first started this show I would say he was a liability he probably was our best defensive player that game he has turned his defensive effort intelligence of like when to swipe at the ball and when to chill this entire year he's been a good defender but Russ loved to back him down this year and now it it's I expect it to get tipped. I expect the ball to, like, I expect him to tip that dribble. I expect, like, some impact play coming from that Russ post-up where everyone else is on the other side and it's just Dame and Russ, mano a mano. I mean, I remember that play where uh, Dame tipped it out and Russ dived on the ground and tried to elbow him. Like, Dame has been fucking amazing defensively. He's he's uh, renting headspace. Oh, absolutely. Well, but he's always rented headspace. Remember last year, Russ tried to shoot from 30, just like Dame in the home game. Like, Russ always gets emotional going against Damian Lillard. That doesn't change, but Damian's defense has shut him down to, like, uh, man, he can only pick and roll drive type of shit. Like, he can't post up. He can't do shit. I would say... A lot of Blazers had had really strong nights. To me, it was still Damian was the conductor. The team went as he went. We talk about his defense. We talk about his defense. And looking back, at, I watched you know 10 minutes of highlights. And I was like, holy shit, we were only up like six points with two minutes left to go in the third quarter. And what happens? Dame strips Schroeder, takes him to the side of the court like he's about to go going for a layup. See Seth Curry spotting up, hits Seth for a big-time three. Seth gets another open three, hits that. And then what does Dame do to close out the quarter? He puts Raymond Felton on skates and hits a buzzer beater. I mean, 
aside from the the CJ3 to end the half, which Dame orchestrated as well to get CJ open, because if he doesn't go underneath the basket, Paul George was on CJ McCollum. He had to switch over. He he chose wrong, went over to Harkless, kicked it out to CJ. Dame felt like he was involved in every momentum-shifting play. And before you knew it, we were up 13, 16 points going into that that fourth quarter. And it was really just in – we just blitzed them in two minutes, and it was all – Damian Lillard. Obviously, he got help from Seth Curry, which he needs. You know, Seth get those get gets those looks. He has to knock them down. But everything is initiated for, from Dame, and I think if Portland is going to steal one of these next two games, Dame is going to have to continue to set that tone. And the defense. I thought the defense overall was fantastic. The game could have gotten away from us in that second quarter. But the defense continued to lock down. I thought the strips, Mo had a really great strip. Chief had three steals. We're just active. We're getting into the passing lanes. And our defense is what's going to have to travel to Oklahoma City. Because if, if you can continue to frustrate them on that end, you know sooner or later one of your shooters is going to get hot. And I, I think the difference between this team and Oklahoma City is we have shooters and they don't. And our paint is a lot more open offensively than theirs is like what the Blazers have been doing is collapsing paint and making bad shooters shoot. And it's really worked in our favor. I think that Paul George injury from him dropping from MVP level to all-star level to man, he is a liability shooting. Like his abilities covered up a lot of deficiencies. Oklahoma city had like lack of shooting has always been there, but Paul George's abilities to hit, buckets kind of kept them afloat so it wasn't just this awful awful brand of basketball we're watching like in the third quarter of the game I was just thinking to myself damn watching this team is really depressingly bad like they they only are going at the hoop direct no misdirect it's just full throttle to the hoop Paul George's shoulders really covered up a lot of deficiencies I think we have to shout out Myers Leonard Absolutely. Because he played some really good ball. I know stats don't say it, but the way he set picks allowed our shooters to get spacing off those fucking bone-jarring picks. He played some good ball. You know I've talked a lot of shit about Myers Leonard. I was watching him like a hawk. He only made three plays that I'm like, oh, Myers, don't do that. And I'm not counting any shooting plays. He was the best big man for the Blazers that game. Good shit, Myers. You stepped up in a situation where we needed someone to just play solid ball, and he achieved that. For me saying this, like, I talked to my mom this morning, and she's like, Myers played well, and she's like the most anti-Myers person I know. For him to step up that big in a situation where it was so imperative that we have someone to just take up space, set picks, go to under the hoop, rebound, take up space. Myers Leonard fucking killed it that game. Well, you didn't even mention, he locked down Paul George on multiple occasions. 25 feet away from the basket, he didn't pick up a foul. He just played straight man-to-man defense. And I think we're going to see more Myers Leonard in this series. Zach Collins, I think he's, I don't, I don't. He's the third big, right? He's the third big. Myers has outplayed him. And honestly, 
in this series, and we saw during um, he, Myers had a momentum changing three. He kept Portland's momentum rolling. We are going to need more outside shooting. It can't just be Damon CJ. Seth definitely stepped up and hit three of four. But, you, you know, you can't – you don't know what you're going to get from Mo or Chief or, or Rodney. We're all getting good looks. We really need another – dead-eye shooter and Myers is a top four shooter on this Blazers roster I would say our offense is built around setting screens for our two guards and that generating the space that they need to either dribble pass or shoot right Myers Leonard is absolutely the best screen setter on this team he generated so many points by just being big and setting screens he locked he he did his job and big shout outs to Myers Leonard also, unsung hero of the night, Maurice Harkless, 29 minutes, was hampered with foul trouble, played Paul George tough yet again, 14-9 and nine on 6-9 of nine shooting, hit 50% of his attempts from three, and had no turnovers, was active on defense. That's, that's what we need from Mo Harkless every single night. Especially in these playoffs. We've talked a lot of shit about Mo. We really have this year. He stepped up completely in these playoffs and made a lot of impact plays offensively and defensively. He he's earning his money right now. He is making Paul George work for everything that he has gotten. And, you know, when he picked up that that foul trouble, you legitimately were concerned because of the type of defense he was playing. He's just being very active. He's anticipating passes. He's knowing where to go. He's not just standing in the corner. He's cutting to the hoop. He's He just looks overall more, more confident. And I don't know if that comes with, with more health, but I've noticed a significant uptick in, in his play. And yet again, Portland isn't having to rely on Harkless and Aminu shooting 20 times a night and just praying that those go in. We're getting the bulk of our shots from the guys who should be shooting the majority of those attempts, which are Dame and and CJ. But one thing I want to discuss with you, Sage, is we had the question last week or last game. What is going to correct itself more? Portland taking better care of the basketball or Oklahoma City shooting better from downtown? It ended up being Portland took better care of the basketball. They averaged 13.8 turnovers throughout the regular season. 18 in game one took much better care of it in game two, had only 12. We both sat here adamantly and said the Thunder will not shoot 5 of 33, 15% yet again. Well, it wasn't quite 5 of 33, but it was 5 of 28 at 18%. And that is the 100% defining factor in the series with Portland being up 2-0. Oklahoma City does not have shooters. Portland is making them earn it from downtown. I think Oklahoma City will get hot one or two games, and that's going to win them a game, just as was the case when Chief gets hot in previous playoff series, and we win games that way. Do I think it is sustainable? No. And I think Portland needs to stay strong in that strategy because right now Terry Stotts is up 2-0 on Billy Donovan as well. He had that one kind of a – He had five really bad minutes. Yeah, he had five really bad minutes to end the first and the first three minutes of the second, but he corrected it. We did not see Jake Lehman. We saw minimal Zach Collins in the second half. Listen, these are the playoffs. You're going to get multiple days off in between. You need to really have an eight-man rotation. You've got to lean on your starters. 
Um, that's just the nature of the beast. That's how it's been. That's always what it will continue to be in, in, in seven game series. You just cannot afford to fuck around and experiment. While I was at the game, I, I kept thinking to myself, damn, Sam Presti fucked up because this team has no shooters. The spacing, it was just nothing inside. And we know Russell Westbrook does his best work in the paint. The only shooter that we were scared of was Paul George, and his shoulders are fucked. There is no shooter shooting on that team. There's there's defensive players. There's people that can draw like that can cut really well. There's just no shooters. And in this day and age, shooting is like one of the is the most important thing. You've got to be able to space the floor for your your superstars that do their best work inside cutting. That's why I said at the beginning of the show, Paul George hit a lot of their deficiencies. And I think that has to be Portland's strategy moving forward. Anybody else other than Paul George. And right now, nobody is really stepping up. I, I think Nerland's Noel for the second straight night outplayed our bench again. He was. I, I kind of felt sorry for Nerland's because he was like the only one like pissy. Yeah. You could it, see that he was pissed off. Like, you know, when there was timeouts and stuff, he was like pacing upset at his team. He's 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 trying his ass off. I, I think the spa- the lack of spacing is a big factor for everybody else, but dude was trying his ass off. I mean, I think the series is going to come down to Russ Ferguson and Jeremy Grant. Are they going to continue to struggle shooting from the outside? Because in game two, they were combined two for 16. And Jeremy Grant killed us in the regular season. Ferguson had a big game, uh, I believe, in Oklahoma City to push them over the top. And then obviously, Russ, you never know what you're going to get from him. I don't expect him to go five of 20 from the field, but I, outside of a couple of layups, I was not upset with many of the shots he was taking. So I, you know, and some of those shots that he was taking or the layups he was taking was because he blatantly fouled the blazer that was supposed to be guarding him. Those refs, they saw, I mean, shout out to the blazers. They literally played, five on eight and still were able to win by 20. They didn't let Scott Foster and his crew get in their heads and they had a task at hand and they took care, care business. And you know, the series is pretty chippy. These teams genuinely do not like one another. So as long as Portland can stay composed, you know, I really like our, our, our chances, but Sage, if we're talking about Russell Westbrook, we said, after the game one, the adjustment for Billy Donovan has to be to get Russ more more isolations. And they worked to an extent on the dribble drives. But when he posted them up, I don't think I was ready for it. I don't think the Oklahoma City Thunder were ready for Damian Lillard's post defense. So if that's taken away, if you're Billy Donovan and you're Russell Westbrook, obviously you're going to have to weather the storm to start game three. What adjustments are the Thunder going to make that the Blazers need to really think of ahead of time and account for and be one step ahead of them? Like, what would you do if you were Donovan and Westbrook? The shooting, the lack of shooting is tough to, like, it's tough to be creative when there's no space on the floor. They sucked at free throws, bro. Like, they had 28 attempts. 19 for 28. Like, we had to fight. Some awful foul calls, some bullshit ticky tack off ball fouls type shit that led to free throws, and they just plain up, 
plain and simple missed the second or first free throw. That was a big factor. I, I don't know because I think it's all about the space. You got to generate space, especially for Russell Westbrook. And honestly, I wouldn't let them generate space unless Ferguson, Jeremy Grant, Paul George, and Russ prove that they can shoot the ball. So I think for the Oklahoma to succeed, they have to prove to the Portland Trailblazers that they can shoot. Yeah, I'm surprised they're not running more action between Westbrook and Adams. For the second straight night, Adams was extremely efficient. 16 and 9, 7 of 8 shooting. Yeah, the 9 rebounds aren't uh, a ton coming from your your starting center, but he when he when he gets the ball in his hands, he's converting more times than than not. And obviously with Portland being down Nurkic, Cantor is not going to be a extremely aggressive especially early on in the game because he's not going to want to pick up fouls so you know if I'm Terry Stotts I think that's an adjustment I'm trying to game plan for is you know the pick and roll between Westbrook and and Adams you know they got a couple of lobs in in game two off of that so Portland always has to be mindful Mm. of that but you know I think you're right Portland's probably going to have to send help to, to stop the dribble drive or to send help on Adams and make a Jeremy Grant shoot from from downtown. I think Paul George was a huge impact on Steven Adams's production. Because you remember a few years ago when it was like the Stash Bros and bullshit surrounding Russ. They ran a lot of pick and roll action and Steven Adams got biz. I think once Paul George got established, Russ really wanted to Paul George and Russ to be most of the production. And it kind of made Steven Adams's role smaller. When I think he deserves to have a bigger role in the offense because he does convert and he is smart and like he makes things happen productively for them. But I just think because of the roster and the role that he has, I don't think they'll be willing to go to him before they try out the Paul George's Russell Westbrook ISO game. Yeah. You know, I think if you're the Thunder Paul George can go 11 for 20. I think you take you take 27 and 8 from him on any given night. You can kind of throw out the 2 for 7 from 3 because he's still going 11 for 20. Um, what you can't have is Paul George only getting 4 attempts at the foul line, Westbrook only getting 3. Portland is doing an incredible job of defending without fouling, and that is going to continue to be a key, especially as the, yeah, especially as the series shifts to Oklahoma City. So I look for the Thunder to come out extremely aggressive. I think you might just see a couple of head-down drives from Westbrook. Dame has done an incredible job so far early on of drawing fouls, charges. I believe he's already had three charges drawn in in two games. So that's what I'm looking for. I do think we're going to see a lot of help side defense, and it's going to come down to their shooters, their role players. Are they going to make shots or, or not? Um, for Portland – I continue to do much of the same. I I scrapped that whole experiment in the second quarter with all five reserves on the floor. I do whatever I can to get more Seth Curry time. I really liked seeing that three-guard lineup. You have three ball handlers, three lethal shooters. And really, with, with Oklahoma City, Dame was Ding up on Westbrook. They didn't have enough weapons to make us pay mm-hmm. for having Seth and CJ also out there. And Paul George was running a lot of four, too. Yeah, exactly. You know, you can live with Ferguson or Jeremy Grant being defended by Seth Curry. Mm-hmm. That, that's not Portland's. Yeah, or Dennis. Like, no. 
the uh, only people we really have to worry about are the two superstars. And that to me is going to be a major X factor. Can Portland continue their hot shooting? Because as we talked about after game one, there was a, a, a momentum burst in the first quarter. Portland rode it all the way, all the way to victory. It really happened in that second and third period. We had just a pulse of threes and it was enough to really just put OKC out of their misery. Is Portland going to have another, you know, just bang in, in game three? Because that to me is, is, is what it's going to take after watching, you know, two full games of basketball against this opponent. It, it seems like the thunder kind of get punched in the mouth and, and they retreat kind of quick. So is Portland going to deliver a knockout blow? And when is it going to happen? Because OKC tried to, but Portland was actually resilient. And we able we were able to tie that game up. That was the one of the most crucial aspects of game two was feeling like you played like shit, but have the arena just erupt when CJ hit that three. And it felt like we were up 10 going into that third quarter. All we did was just play 10 minutes of brilliant basketball, or excuse me, two minutes of brilliant basketball to tie that game. And then we had two minutes of brilliant basketball at the end of the third to take what was a close contest and really put it put it to rest. So is Portland going to be able to do that on the road? That is the ultimate X factor. I think like in the late third is when we just broke their spirit and there was no coming back. Like I think it was like a frustration foul from Steven Adams or or something like that. We broke their spirit in the third and then we just kept piling on in the fourth. Um Dribble pass shoot, Damon CJ. There won't be a second without one of them on the floor. It has to be that way. No, and but will it be that way? No, it has to be. Will Terry Stotts do it? I think so. So you're shooting that? Oh, I'm I'm obviously shooting that because Portal has an extra day off of rest. He saw what happened. If that would have happened in Oklahoma City, I do think we lose that game. I think fans have a huge impact in the sport of basketball. They have a loud fan base, as do we. Our fan base helped us, you know, hunker down on defense a few times. But had that been an OKC, I think a different result may have may have occurred. And we saw Terry. He scrapped that in the second half. We always saw one of Dame or CJ on the floor. We need that guy that strikes fear in the opponent. I don't think Seth Curry does that. I don't think Evan Turner does that. I don't think Rodney Hood does that. There's only two people that really strike fear in the opponent, and that's Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. We need to have one of them on at all times. Those two need to be on the floor for us. And if we're talking other X factors, game one was Ennis Cantor. I think game two was Maurice Harkless and Myers Leonard and Seth Curry. Like They each played a, a, a role of their own. Who is it going to be in game three? Like for us to win, Damon CJ have to continue playing as they are. But who is going to be that that third or fourth player to really up their level of play? Because we saw Ennis kind of dropped back. He you know he injured his wrist. Thankfully, it's just a bruise. He'll be good to go for game three. But he didn't have twenty and eighteen as he did in game one. Uh, Rodney Hood has kind of been MIA for a little bit. I think it's Seth and Meyer. You know, I, I think. I called it after game one and was incorrect. I think we're going to get a big game from Aminu. I mean, it's just been his nature. He kind of goes quiet, but then he'll burst out. He's getting good looks. So I think it's going to be Aminu for Portland. He's going to continue to have to play better than, than Jeremy Grant. 
I, I yo, we talked about this a while ago where many most people returning from an injury where they're out for a long time suck. CJ McCollum hasn't sucked in this. This is playoff. the best looked all season. That's fucking incredibly rare for a guy missing X number of games, be himself or better than himself five games after you know he came back. Usually it takes a long time for these guys to get back into the flow of things, trust the injured like the injured part of their body will go through the rigors of an NBA game. So shout out to CJ McCollum because he's really killing it for us. Yeah, and I would say CJ's been much more decisive. He gets the ball. He knows what he wants to do. There's, there hasn't been too much dancing. If he is dancing, it's with a purpose. And he makes some crazy. He made some crazy fucking middies that that yeah. last game. But he's also getting enough separation. I love the fact that he's hitting from from three. I think he he's been struggling from three. He's been, been getting his open looks. Portland's going to have to continue to shoot shoot what they're doing from three. You know, I don't know if you can expect thirteen to thirty two. Again, but do you think the extra usage since Nurk is gone has incentivized and motivated CJ to bring his game up because we legitimately have no other options and we need him to do well? I think a part of it is definitely that. Another part is he he mentioned after seeing Nurk go down with a devastating injury, he's like, I can't take this for granted. I'm coming back. When I get back, I'm going to go all out. And for whatever reason, the, the the switch was flipped and his confidence grew. And he looks like the player who won most improved mm. in, in 2016. Like this is some of the best basketball that I've seen him play from being able to get to the rim, shoot the mid-range jumper, hitting the open three. I don't think we can afford to have our players play like logs and watch, you know, our our two superstars dance around or, you know, try and work things. I think we need that player movement. When I see four guys just watching our one ball handler, that shit infuriates me so much. So I want to see our guys moving with a purpose all 48. If you're tired, ask for a sub. Like we need every guy possible to step up so we can steal a game from OKC in these next two games. Yeah, I mean, Myers has been extremely active. He, on the pick and pop, has to be a weapon. Rodney Hood has been getting some... He's been getting some of the looks that Oklahoma City's been getting. He has to knock some of those down. I mean, Zach Collins did have three blocks, but when he gets in there, he just needs to be a little bit more... He needs to move. I, I was reading on sports, too. There was a play where... In the second half, apparently Terry Stotts was yelling, Zach, Zach, like you got to get to your spot. Sure enough, the next time out, he was subbed out for Myers. Mm -hmm. So you just have to stay locked in. You have to stay focused. What I think I love most about this team right now, and you touched on it a bit, when Nurk went down, roles changed. Mm -hmm. But they know what they are right now. The team is following Dame's lead. CJ knows he's going to get more shot attempts. He knows he's got to be second in command. Maurice Harkless knows he has to step up his game. Ennis, he's fine going from 20 and 18 one night to 6 and 5 the next. Like, just being a beast on the backboard. And then the the reserves. I think if we get a really strong night from the reserves, it it could be lights out for OKC. I mean, there are so many X factors with in which we talked about. But let's kind of put pen to paper, Sage. 
Game 3, Friday night, 6.30 in Oklahoma City. Are the Trailblazers going to take a commanding 3-0 lead, or is this, or is the, or is the pressure going to be put back on Portland heading into Game 4? I think that Oklahoma City gets this one, and we get Game 4. Um, Weird question that I just thought of, but whatever. On on a Dame Lillard's Myers pick and roll or pop, what do you want the percentages to be that Myers rolls out to him going to the hoop on a roll? I want to see him pop first because that's where he's made his living in the NBA. Threes are obviously worth more than two. He's a what a 40% plus shooter for, from downtown. And not only does having Myers rolling out to the three-point line open it up for for Damon CJ it opens it up for for everyone else so you get that big monster Steven Adams out of that paint but obviously if he doesn't hit a couple of them then you want to see see him roll and, and adjust but I think the most benefits come from him shooting the three and he is he is a fantastic shooter this year for, from downtown I would say that I'd rather him roll 60 to 40 because Let's just say it's Dame, CJ, Seth, and Mo. I would rather have Myers take up space and try and get that offensive rebound because there's four shooters. A lot of what worked in that third and fourth quarter was Myers set a bone-jarring screen and then the Thunder had to react and then Myers was down in the hoop, got the rebound, and then passed it back. With Enos, he's slower, so when that same type of offense goes, Enos isn't at rebounding position. He's no man's land. I think that if we just had one person, the gang rebounds Oklahoma City would get drops down significantly because we can't expect the slow-ass Enos to get from three-point down low in the time it takes for the shot to go up and miss. So I kind of liked having one offensive rebounder in to compete with Steven Adams. That's a fair point. I also am still hesitant on giving Myers the ball closer to the hoop. Oh, I'm he, not. I'm not. I'm not even saying he he's rolling with the express purpose of getting the rebound. I guess in my scenario, it was what is he going to do with the ball because they're going to double team Damon CJ. Shit, not this, not last game because that motherfucker that he screened was was seeing stars and cuckoo birds and stuff like fair. that. Fair. I was really impressed with the screens he set, man. Oh, they were incredible. This I is am... the most pro Myers we've had in years, by the way, from both of us. I tend to think OKC gets game three. It, I would be floored if we went up 3-0, and it's not a knock on the Blazers or what they've done. But even the best Blazer teams in history have gone up 2-0 and... They lose game three. This is the Oklahoma City Thunder first home playoff game of the season. The fans are going to be hype. The fans are going to be desperate. So they're going to yell even more so because they know how important are the players. And so I think that's where Portland needs to match. Portland needs to match their intensity right from the right from the get go. They cannot get down 10 after after one quarter. They cannot get blitzed much as the Thunder got blitzed in, in game one throughout the first 12 minutes of action. Portland, to me, I don't think you panic if they lose a close, hard-fought contest because that gives you confidence going into Game 4. But if you get blown out in Game 3, now doubt starts to creep into your minds a little bit. And it really – I think the 
the thought of a long, hard-fought series really starts to set in, and you're like, okay, this is probably going to go seven. Both teams are really home-dominant. Yes, blowouts happen in the postseason, but with all this momentum that Portland has built, they have to find a way to at least make this one go down to the wire. Let Oklahoma City know you only won because this game was on your home court, or we'll give you one, but we're going to come back ready for game four, so you better be ready. The last thing I want is for OKC to start building a ton of confidence, be like, oh, shit, first two games are just a fluke. We're going to handle biz at home, and we're going to steal five or seven and, and you know advance to the next round. Portland has them down. They are in the grave. They just need a couple more scoops of dirt. Can they take the initiative and, and do that? I do think it's going to be a hard-fought contest. Um, I think OKC is just going to start to hit at least a couple of those shots, and we might miss some that we did in, in the past. I think it's going to set up for an extremely pivotal, pivotal, excuse me, game four. So I have the Thunder, unfortunately, in game three, but I will be over the moon if we're able to take game three and just really put a stranglehold on this series. I, I, I want to see, because you know we're going to get their best. They're going to punch us in the mouth. I want to see how we react. Absolutely. If it's a positive, if we counterattack with a haymaker of our own, I feel a lot safer than if we cower in a corner like OKC did. Like, and I we think- need to be able to withstand their fucking all-out blitz, and then we need to make a run of our own. Because this game is about runs. We need to re- see how we respond to their initial run. This is the type of contest on the road in the playoffs where you need your superstars to set the tone. We need an aggressive Dame, an aggressive CJ early on to weather that storm. I really would rather not want to rely on, on Chief and Mo shooting long-range jumpers to try and offset what OKC is going to do on the offensive end. Damon and CJ need to set the tone, and then we can go from there. No 10-minute no droughts from our superstars. We cannot have droughts. We cannot have the bench on the floor. We need some form of bench production. Hopefully, we're talking on Friday night about a big Blazer victory. We will be here ask us any questions, leave us five stars in the comments. I mean, my guy over here is hustling, getting episodes out same fucking night, you know, traveling and doing his, his, you know, his nine to five on, on the side. And, you know, we're here for you, Rip City. Let let's, this is the time is now. This is what we live for as fans. Sage, let, let's, let's get it. Blazers and five. Let's do it. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go!